0: Thank you for tuning in to the Red Clinic Podcast. My name is Dr. Shuelen, I'm a licensed psychologist and expert in the treatment of eating disorders. Today, we're gonna do what we do best. We're gonna talk about topics relevant to eating disorder recovery. And so I wanna focus on going back to school. I'm gonna focus particularly on the clients out there, the families out there that have been in treatment this summer, um, who've been focusing on getting their child or loved one into recovery. And now, with the end of summer coming, how to plan for going back to school or back to college or even back to work. We can even put that in there. Um, So there is a lot going on when someone enters the bubble of treatment. And I call it a bubble because usually in eating disorder treatment, um, when clients are severe enough, they end up hospitalized. And the hospital program is very much like a bubble And so if this applies to you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You and your family have had to essentially put your life on hold to go and get treatment for this eating disorder that you are fighting. And it may have been, you know, several weeks or months by now. And we have the start of a new school year coming and we're trying to plan for that. The number one thing that I want to tell everybody out there is make sure you rely on your treatment team. Okay, so let's go with like top five things to do this summer as you're preparing to get back into school. So, number one, have good discussions with your treatment team. Make sure you're deciding on little things and big things together. So, really commonly, um, it will come up with kids, especially about I'm going back to school and I'm going to get a bunch of questions about what I did this summer and where I've been or why I missed school at the end of last year and what happened to me. And I'm really nervous about that. I don't know how to answer these questions. I don't know what to tell my friends. I don't know if my teachers are going to understand. How do I navigate that? And so that's really, really normal. Um, Those are really great questions, really great things to be thinking about and preparing for and work on that with your therapist and your treatment team. Normally what I do when I'm working with clients who have that exact same scenario and they're working through some of those questions is I always recommend to stay away from telling lies. If you tell one lie, you're gonna to have to tell another and then another, and then eventually you get lost in your own web of lies and you don't remember what you told and who you told and, and, and you kind of just get upside down. I always recommend instead to start off with making a list of what are you okay with people knowing and what are you not okay with people knowing? And after you determine what goes on each list, you then decide how you're going to explain what you did all summer or if you had to miss school, why you were away. Usually, clients will tell me, I don't want people to know I have an eating disorder or I don't want them to know I was hospitalized I don't want them to think that I got sick with COVID or that I was going to die or anything like that. That's embarrassing, or I'm not ready to talk about it, or I'm worried about how many more questions it may raise if I give them a little bit of information and I don't feel like talking about myself. And so that's a really great list. Those are the things you're not okay with. So what are you okay with? Right? And a lot of times clients will say, well, I don't mind them knowing that I have a treatment team or that I've been working on myself or I don't mind talking about them and what they did this summer. And so then we take it to the next level and we just kind of practice, you know, you're in a social situation. Someone's going to ask you, how was your summer? What did you do? And you may say something like, well, I actually spent my summer just focusing on self-improvement or getting really healthy I learned a lot and I'm really glad I did it. What did you do this summer? So always, you know, keeping the answer short, sweet, um, kind of vague, but you're not telling a lie and then flipping it on the person. So when you ask them what they did that summer or what, how their weekend was, or, or, Hey, what did I miss? Then you get them talking and it's more likely that they'll keep talking because people love to talk about themselves. And you've successfully navigated the conversation away from yourself. Now, some clients will say, actually, I'm okay with people knowing I was in the hospital, but I don't really want them to know the exact reasons why. So another way to handle this, or, or sometimes it goes like, hey, we heard you were in the hospital. We thought you died. I hear that all the time from my teenagers. Um, and I, we usually come to the conclusion that, you know what, they already know, but they don't know why. So how do we navigate that scenario? One thing that I always recommend is kind of focus on the facts. Focus on the medical because that's what people can, can truly um, accept as not having to understand more about because it can be a little awkward for them to ask more or they just trust that you're being taken care of and so they kind of stop there. So if you maybe were hospitalized because you had anorexia and the malnutrition due to anorexia is very much related to why you were hospitalized, you might say something like, well, I had a really low heart rate or I was dehydrated and my doctors just wanted to make sure that I recovered from that. Usually that's good enough. Usually people will say, oh, well, I'm really glad you're doing better and man, that that must have been scary or rough. And then you can say, yeah, I'm okay now though and I'm really glad that I am. Thanks for asking. Hey, what did I miss while I was gone? Or how have you been? So those are the techniques that I usually recommend that you use. But again, always do that in communication with your treatment team. Your treatment team includes your therapists, your doctors, and your parents or family members so that they can help support how you communicate with others and they also know the limits of what you're okay with and what you're not okay with other people knowing. I've seen it too many times also when you know moms and dads might open up to family members or good friends about what their child or loved one is going through and then the actual person with the eating disorder finds out that oh my gosh you told our neighbor Susie that I have an eating disorder mom I can't believe you did that that feels like a betrayal of trust, and I'm so embarrassed, or, or whatever the fallout is. And so in those situations, I also highly recommend that before you go and start telling other people about your loved one's journey, you check with them first. And you do it in the context of, hey, neighbor Susie is one of my really good friends, I trust her, and during this time I need some support. Are you going to be all right with it if I go to her and tell her in confidence just some of the things that are on my mind so that I can get support while I'm not with you so that I, when I am with you, I can focus on you entirely? You know, so there are ways to approach those situations as well. Now, if it's already happened and you went and told your neighbor Susie all about your daughter's eating disorder, then you have to have an open conversation with that as well. And that's another situation where I want you to do that with your treatment team, your therapist, your doctors, just so you have the support of navigating a more difficult conversation if that comes up. Okay, so that was the first thing, right? Top five things to do when you're returning back to school this summer after you've been in treatment. So that was how to navigate, what do you say when people ask you, ask you a bunch of questions. The second thing that I recommend you start thinking about are the routines at home and at school. So most people, when they step down from eating disorder treatment or even when they're in outpatient eating disorder treatment, are on a meal plan. And so I highly recommend ahead of time, before school starts, you start thinking about your meal plan, how many meals and snacks that you have to eat in order to stay on that meal plan, and how much time every day you're going to need to commit to sitting down and eating. And then I recommend you build your schedule around that. So if you know that you have to eat, for example, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then three snacks every day, even though school's starting and life is happening, you still have to find a way to fit all of that in. I recommend that you navigate the the entire schedule that you live out Monday through Sunday based on your meal and snack times. So if that means... You need to go to the grocery store on the weekends to prepare for your meals and snacks for the week, that you make that happen. If you need to wake up earlier in order to get your give yourself that opportunity to eat six times a day, you start waking up earlier, that means you need to go to bed earlier at night in order to get enough sleep. I recommend that your top priority, even though you are transitioning back into school and work, continues to be recovery. Because all the work you just did this summer while you were in treatment is going to go out the window very quickly if you don't prioritize treatment first. So most treatment programs, even outpatient here at the Red Clinic, we do it. We're going to gradually get you back into normal life. And the reason we do that gradually, so we want to make sure you have enough time and like you've worked out the logistics of it all to actually prioritize treatment while you're still going through the rest of your life. Yes, we know you have responsibilities. We know you have other people in your life. We know you have goals you're trying to accomplish. But we as eating disorder experts also know that none of that is going to matter if you're not well. So staying on your meal plan And living your life around it for at least six months to a year after you step down from hospitalization is key to staying in recovery. The third thing that I want to put out there for back-to-school tips, right, is having support at school or at work. So understanding things like Section 504 of the American with Disabilities Act Essentially, that's an extension of the American, uh, Americans with Disabilities Act that protects students in the school setting. And so having an eating disorder or having anxiety or having depression or bipolar or obsessive-compulsive disorder, anything like that is actually considered a mental impairment in the way that the law is written. Even though it doesn't sound that good, it actually works to your advantage because... Under that law, you are protected in the school setting um, and even at work through like FMLA and things like that to still be able to go to your appointments, to attend therapy, to go to IOP if that's what you're doing next, um, and to have some different um, accommodations being made at school for you so that you can be successful while you're navigating recovery. So essentially, it can look like, you know, for younger kids, maybe having a counselor or a friend or a school nurse eat lunch with you so that you're not faced with having to enter into the cafeteria again and face the social pressure and everything that goes with eating in front of other people. You've been in the bubble, right? Like the bubble of the hospital has been very protective and you've gotten kind of used to the way things are there. Now what? You have to go back into real life? That's a lot. So to take some of that pressure off, you can ask the school to work with you and allow you to not even have to eat in the cafeteria. Maybe they'll let you eat in the library or in the counselor's office. Or maybe you can go back to the cafeteria if that's really important to you, but you can have maybe a really good friend always sit with you because they know exactly what's going on and they can support you in that. There's different things you can work out You can also work things out like, hey, I have a coping plan. I want to be able to step away when I'm feeling overwhelmed or I get super bad test anxiety. And I know that if I have to take a test in the same classroom as everyone else under the same time pressure, I'm going to fail. Well, then maybe you can have it written into your 504 plan that when it's time to take a test, you get to go to a quiet place and sit alone and do it where there's a low pressure environment. So there are definitely things like that that can be written into a 504 plan. Really specifically what I recommend that you ask for is that if you're in treatment and you're in recovery, which if you're in recovery, you're going to be in treatment, they kind of go hand in hand. You ask the school to set it up so that you're not penalized for missing core classes. And so if you know your appointments for therapy and nutrition and all of the other good stuff that you're going to be doing, are usually in the afternoons. You can ask the school to set up your schedule so that all your core classes are in the morning and your electives are in the afternoon. That way you don't get too behind in school, you're still prioritizing treatment, and you're finding the best of both worlds. So that's tip number three. Tip number four, families who are adjusting to a loved one coming home and starting school again. I highly recommend that you think about the home environment before your loved one comes home. So the way I like to explain it is your child or your loved one, when they were diagnosed or admitted into a hospital, they kind of left their life behind. And now that they're being discharged or they're ready to start back into school again or work again, Um, they may also be coming back home from the hospital setting. And if their room is exactly the same as it was when they left, or if the mirrors are hanging around the house in exactly the same places, or if the dynamics in the household are exactly the same as they were before the person went into treatment, those things can be very triggering to someone who's not the same person anymore. They've hopefully by this point done a lot of growing and changing. They've gotten to the point where they're in recovery or close to it, right? And so to be able to go back home and say, you know, I kind of need to change out my bedspread, for example, because just seeing the bedspread triggers my eating disorder thoughts. Or I need to rearrange the furniture in my room so I can feel like I'm coming to something new. I also don't like the mirrors hanging up on the walls because I'm working on body image and seeing reflections of myself are very triggering right now. So let's cover them all up with sheets or blankets or just take them down. Um, I hear a lot of times too that it can be really triggering to just go back into old ways with like food and meals. And so families need to adjust also. Families need to get used to the fact that their loved one is on a schedule of three meals and three snacks a day that they need to sit at the table and not hustle and bustle in the kitchen putting dishes away or being a short order chef or um, standing up every five minutes to pour some more water or warm up cold food. It's let's just sit still and create a peaceful environment so that our loved one does not feel stressed during a very stressful time, which is eating. There are other strategies that the treatment team will help you with as you're making that transition, stepping down, getting home, and going back into school and work. But these are just a few. Think about, you know, the moment that your loved one walks back into their house, what are some of the things that could be triggering? Another really good thing to think about for back-to-school, and this is tip number five, is shopping. So back-to-school shopping is a really big deal, whether you have an eating disorder or not. And part of back-to-school shopping is buying new clothes. So individuals who are in eating disorder treatment, they tend to weight restore. That's a fancy way of saying gain weight, right? And so when individuals have gained weight and their body has changed, because that's inevitable when we're trying to help someone recover from an eating disorder, they're not necessarily going to be able to come home to their closet full of clothes and find anything that feels comfortable for them. And that's the key. We want our clients and families to focus on dressing for comfort. We're not dressing to fit into certain sizes. Okay, that's what diet culture tells us, that we have to lose weight so we can fit into our clothes. That is not the way we think about it. We want the clothes to fit us. And so if that means that our size changes or that we're going to be more comfortable in a different style of something, that's okay. And so parents and loved ones, I recommend, and most treatment teams are going to recommend that you really talk out your plan for going back to school shopping with your therapist. I have all different kinds of examples of what's been helpful for clients. So I'll kind of give you a few right now just to get your wheels turning, but definitely make this decision in conjunction with your treatment team. So sometimes it's not appropriate for kids to go shopping yet. Maybe it's just too triggering and they're not in a place with their eating disorder yet that they can even handle it. And so in those situations, we actually ask mom or dad to go and do the shopping for them. Hey, you know you're a kid. You know their style. Just go pick out a few cute things that they can feel comfortable in. Bring those clothes home. But don't just bring one size home. Bring three sizes of the same shirt and pants home. That way they can try a smaller size, a regular size, and a larger size of the same outfit. And cover the tags up with tape or a piece of paper. Or don't even let your child see the tag because the number on that tag may trigger them. And then focus on what's comfortable. So have your child move around in that new outfit. Have them sit, stand, flow in it. Just help, help them start focusing on, do you feel good in this? Because that's all that matters. And then whatever they don't like or doesn't fit, then you just take back to the store. So that's one technique. Another technique is emptying out the closet entirely. Because sometimes clients will say, the clothes that I used to wear while I was deep in my eating disorder are the only ones that are in my closet. Or I've even heard, um, I still have clothes in there from years ago you know, maybe from fifth grade, even though I'm in high school, I still have shirts in there from fifth grade because my eating disorder told me that I needed to do whatever I could to fit into those clothes. And so it's not appropriate to have clothes that are gonna trigger eating disorder thoughts in the closet. So it may actually be the first step where parents have to go in and do it for their kids, where they just box everything up and then they decide what to do with that stuff later. You can ask your kid later when they're in a better place mentally or you can just decide for them. You know, maybe you donate it. Maybe, you know, if you're like one of my clients, you take, the, you take the T-shirts, the graphic T-shirts from elementary school that have like sentimental value, and you sew them into a bag. And you just transform it, but you still keep the memories. So you figure out what you're going to do with that stuff, but not necessarily in conjunction with your child or loved one that's recovering, because it may not be a time that they're ready to have that conversation yet. And then you can either do a big Amazon order or online shopping order in the same manner you would go to the actual store, like I mentioned earlier, and bring home several sizes of the same outfit. Or if your loved one feels like they're ready, you can take them to the store and have them try things on at the store. Sometimes people are ready for that and when they are, your therapist, your, your treatment team can help you determine that they're ready for it because sometimes that exposure can be so healing. They go to the store, they find cute things that they feel really comfortable in and confident in and it didn't actually upset them as much as they thought it would. All right, and so that's the top five tips for going back to school if you're in recovery from an eating disorder and have been working really hard this summer on getting there. There you have it. That's the Red Clinic podcast. I'll see you next week.